0: Oh, this is Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the FBL Banger podcast. I'm your host, Siva, and I'm here with Sam. Sam, how was game week three?
1: I had a really neutral game week three, actually. I think I finished bang at the game week average. Could be better, but I can't complain because I think a lot of people did worse than me. So, yeah.
0: Let's talk about your team, Sam. You wildcarded, as did I. 43 points, which is. Just bang on the average. You had Ryan and goal. Robertson, 10 points. Saiz with the blank. Charlie Taylor, 2 points. Zaha, 1 point. You had De Bruyne captain, 4 points. Salah, 5. We had Mares with 12. Jimenez, unfortunately, with 0, following his own goal. Chris Wood for 2 and DCL for 6. How do you feel about this team going forward, Sam?
1: My pre-Wild team actually did really good. (laughs) But I'm really happy about my Mares pick. It was a last-minute thing. I think I only decided on him uh on Saturday morning, right before the games. He turned out really good. My pre-Wall Cup team actually had Jack Harrison, who you know did quite well. I had Mane, so I had Adams. I had Southampton defenders, but like I said earlier, I can't can't complain. It was an okay week for me, I guess.
0: Same here, Sam. I had about the same score as you. I had 41, just two points under you. Similar to you, I missed out on some of the pre-Wall Cup points. I lost out on double Southampton defense. I also didn't have Bruno, who we'll talk about later, and his jammy, jammy haul of 12 points. But otherwise, I did okay. I mean, I had Robertson like you did. I also had DCL. And I feel quite good about this team going forward. I had Martinez in goal for the clean sheet. Taylor, Robertson, Dunn at the back. De Bruyne, Salah, James, Foden in this middle. Captain Werner, which we'll talk about a bit in more detail later, DCL and Jimenez. So 41 points for me. And like you, Sam, I feel pretty decent about this team going forward. So everyone is talking about how the wild card was an epic fail and people are considering, you know, taking more hits this week, even though we've got an international break coming up. Should we start panicking? Have we burnt our wildcards by going too early? Is there a reason to start panicking? Is the season basically over for some of us since we're so far behind? I think there's
1: no reason to panic. You just got to remember why you picked the players that you picked. Uh, For example, if you picked uh, Jimenez and he scored a big zero this week, you got to remember, you know, you're picking him for his upcoming fixture run and potentially the whole season. So there's no reason to panic. Just trust in the players unless you made a stupid pick. Then maybe look to ways, Look
0: on ways on how to shift them out. Fair enough. I agree with all that, Sam. So let's talk, let's dive straight in. Okay, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about replacements for Sun Heung-min, who looks to be out for some time. We're going to look at all the options. Premium, same price, and budget. Then we're going to look at Werner and Marshall, uh, the two other highest transfers out this weekend. And similarly, we look at replacements, both premium, all the way down to budget options. And we also discuss, do we really need to even sell Marshall and Werner this week? Then we'll talk Liverpool double defence. Is it back in fashion, or do we still stick with our cheap 4.5s and 5.0s? Then we'll talk captaincies. Let's start with Sun, Sam. Sun out for a good period of time with a hamstring injury. Unfortunate for managers who had him because he hit the bar twice against Newcastle before going off. In the premium bracket, we've got Bruno and Rashford as the first two picks that jump out to me. And Riyad Mahrez. Who are you looking at between these three? Well, I have Mahrez
1: and uh, he did really well this week. I only intend to have Mares for a maximum of two weeks because once the strikers come back in, he may not be guaranteed a place anymore. Right now, with City's injury crisis, he has that, that secured spot on the wings right now. I wouldn't necessarily recommend being in Mares. so I have to look at the other premium options.
0: So let's talk Bruno and Rashford, and I'll cover this section because I watched the United-Brighton game. United were awful. They scored three goals, but that's really not a fair reflection of the score. Seven shots the entire match, only 3-1 on target. Bruno himself, only one shot on target, which is the penalty awarded after full time. Apart from that, 0xG for him. So look at Rashford, similarly. Rashford, only the one shot on target, which was the goal he scored. It was a good goal, yeah. So I mean, I like the way Rashford took it, right? He beat two people and then smashed it in. That was great, and Bruno set him up for that. But that was also only Bruno's only key pass at the game. So you're working with very limited numbers here. In a game where against Brighton, you would expect United to have opportunities. Brighton are a fairly open attacking team, as we saw. But United just didn't create enough. And for me, with United now facing Spurs next, I don't see this being the right time to jump on United. I think you give them game week four, you wait for the international break to be over, then you reassess. But right now, I don't see the justification in jumping onto United assets. Bruno at 10.5, if all he's going to do is just score penalties... I don't think that's worth it. I think he needs to offer more than that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, I think in the very first podcast we did, I advocated the same thing, holding back from United until you see them play and you see form coming into the picture. Right now, there's no reason to jump on someone on bad form, right? So I would avoid all the United players, actually, until they start playing better.
0: Just to segue, Sam, since we're talking about Bruno, and there's a lot of, shall we say, angst amongst the FPL community about how penalty takers are now becoming these overpowered FPL assets where basically if the players in your team are not penalty takers, you're going to suffer a lot. How do you feel about that? Is that something that you're now going to start taking into account when you make transfers? This week or next week when you make your future transfers, are you going to look at bringing in people who are penalty takers?
1: Well, I think penalty taking can be the deal breaker if you're trying to decide between two options. I wouldn't necessarily take a player solely because he takes penalties unless he is maybe a defender or a really cheap midfielder. In terms of midfielders, if you have someone who was like Mili, you know, from Crystal Palace a few seasons back, where he was just bagging in penalties every week at only 6.0, then, you know, that's a great deal. But for someone like Bruno who's 10.5, you got to get more than just penalties, you know? Totally
0: agree, Sam. Let's talk, since you brought up Millie, let's talk Palace and let's talk specifically Wilfred Zaha in comparison with a few other options. So Zaha went up in price today, he's up to 7.2. James went up in price today, he's up to 7.7. You've also got Harvey Barnes and James Madison, who's just back from injury. All of these guys are the 7 up to 7.7 range. Who is the best pick between these four if you're looking for a sun replacement without having to go higher than this?
1: My pick would be Zaha. He's still the best option in that price range. He didn't return the last game week, but he could have. He had the chances. And, you know, he's still OOP out of position playing up top as a striker. Crystal Palace are somehow turning into a very attacking, fluid team. So I do think Zaha is the best pick among the rest. Second, I would probably go for James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez. But the reason why I put him second is probably because DCL and uh, Richardson are better picks than him, in my opinion.
0: And I agree. I think the issue with doubling up on Everton is that it's all great when they're scoring five goals. But when they're scoring two goals, you may not get a return with one of these guys. And that's what happened this week. James was the guy who assisted the assister, as we sort of predicted previously. He set up the first goal with his pass to Coleman, who then passed to DCL for the goal. James had decent stats. Six corners, three key passes, one big chance created. But you have to sort of bear that in mind if you're going to jump on DCL and Richarlison. You really need to sort of spread your risk. You need to consider, especially with the fixtures. Now, Everton will be facing Brighton next, which is a good fixture. But after that, it's Liverpool and United in the next four. So I think you need to sort of consider whether you want to double up on Everton assets. Zaha is a good differential. Somebody who you're not going to have another Palace attacker. He's their talisman. He will start every game. You have to balance that, though, against Palace's Palace's defensive instincts. They were quite defensive against Everton. Zaha only had two shots. None of them were on target. So I think at some point one, you sort of get what you pay for. The option that I'm more interested in, actually, to be honest with you, Sam, has got to be Harvey Barnes. He looks like he's in good form. He's really attacking. He plays for a Leicester side that seems to have rediscovered, you know, all the form that they lost at the back end of last season. Great fixtures coming up. West Ham, Villa, Arsenal, Leeds. And he's playing 90 minutes. He played 90 minutes in all three games so far. Last season, the issue was a rotation risk. Now he's playing all minutes.
1: Yeah, I think he's a good option. If you look at the stats, he's doing really well. But just in real life, to me, it just seems like he's lacking that, that, I don't know, that uh, the finishing to actually score. He keeps getting himself into good positions and getting shots, but he just can't seem to really you know, put the ball behind the net. So I am weary a bit of Harvey Barnes, but definitely he's a good option and Leicester are playing good. Uh, I mean, they, they seem to be playing good football, good for fantasy points at
0: least. What about James Madison? I mean, he came on, scored a banger. I, w- what an amazing goal against City. Won the penalty of Benjamin Mendy. In 21 minutes, he looked like, you know, almost like James Madison of old that we all had in our teams at some point last season. Madison, proper differential because he started off the season injured, so nobody has him. I like the look of him. And if you don't have funds to go for Vardy, who we'll talk about later, I think Madison's a good way of getting into that Leicester midfield, no?
1: Even with previous
0: seasons, right? Madison
1: only scores bangers. <laughs> but he scores them so frequently. So he's definitely a
0: good differential pick too. I agree. 2.4% ownership for James Madison. That's that's really tempting when you look at this. That's actually higher than I thought it would be. I thought it would be even lower than that. Uh, I guess people saw the City game, right? So people always watch the big games and that's where the ownership sort of flows from. Let's talk Chelsea mids. Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, probably not likely transfers in, but Mason Mount is quite up on the transfers in list this week after he scored against West Brom. Kai Havertz finally got off the mark with an assist.
1: I still maintain my same position as the previous weeks that Chelsea assets will only become appealing once um they're back at full strength, which unfortunately will not include Mason Mount, you know. Once everyone is back, it'll probably be Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Havertz as their front four. So once everyone is back, I will definitely get one of their Chelsea meets in. I think they're a really good value. They're all around 8 point, you know, between 8 to 8.5. I think they drop so like Ziyech is now 7.9 or 7.8. So they seem like they're really good value. But until they're back, they're just not
0: playing very well now, are they? No, they are not playing very well at all. They really were fortunate to get that draw against West Brom. So much sluggishness in attack. And I can totally agree. I don't have any confidence in investing in Chelsea assets right now. Uh, If you have them, it's a different question. But I certainly wouldn't be trying to transfer them in. What about Leandro Torsad? Hit the post and the bar three times this weekend alone. Hit the post last week against Newcastle. Surely he has to be due a return. I actually really like Trossard as a pick.
1: I think Brighton has some decent fixtures coming up. He actually has good stats, you know, the um combined, cumulative stats from the past few games. Every game that you watch Brighton, he seems really involved in the attack. So I actually do really like
0: Trossard as a pick. And what about cheaper options right because some people are looking at the sun injury as an opportunity to maybe move money forward or move money back money forward for a premium striker like Vardy or money back into defense for maybe Liverpool double defense if you're going for a budget option there are a few few guys out there Matthias Klick who's on penalties for Leeds but I think apart from the penalties he doesn't really offer much attacking threat Thomas Suchek who finally delivered on a few weeks of potential returns he got an assist this week. A little unlucky that he's classified as a Jimenez own goal, but he looked good. He could've scored another goal. Podence, unfortunately, injured after so much hype. Possibly back for this upcoming fixture against Fulham, which would if he is in, I mean if he's fit against Fulham, he could do some real damage. Fulham with the one of the worst defensive records to start off the season.
1: I actually um, quite like the look of Thompson. He's returned every single game. He's played, he's six point and uh, if you watch the games, it seems like he's being the chief creator, you know, getting they passed the ball to him and then he tried to get it to Zaha and Zaha scores. So Thompson actually looks like a pretty good pick. Of course, Palace, um, so for both Zaha and Thompson, they're playing Chelsea next, which doesn't seem good on paper. But if you've seen Chelsea play the past few games, they do have a chance of scoring, maybe not winning the game, but there's always a chance to score. And beyond that, they have a really nice run of fixtures too. So I would consider Townsend
0: if you can't put the money up for Zaha. How is it possible, Sam? I'm looking at the top scoring midfielders right now. It's Salah, Sun, Mane, and then Zaha and Townsend. I would not have. I don't think any of us would have predicted at the start of the season that in the top five midfielders so far after game week three, you have Zaha and Townsend, 24 and 22 points. Townsend's stats are fairly limited. You know, he scored a goal from four shots and he's got two assists, but 22 points for just 6.0. It seems like really good value. If you had to pick between Zaha and Townsend, do you just go budget and go Townsend? No, I think if you have the money, Zaha will
1: still be the better pick. You always want the midfielder who scores rather than the midfielder who assists, right? So I would still prefer Zaha. But, you know, if you're strapped for money, Townsend and you are, you know, hot on Crystal Palace and their they're really good form. Then Thompson needs a good
0: pick. All right, let's talk West Ham for a bit, Sam. Let's segue a bit. Because West Ham, unbelievable performance against Wolves. 4-0. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Jared Bowen with 15 points. And you also have Thomas Suchek, who did quite well, got on the assist. Or oh, One of our listeners asked us this question, whether we can look into Thomas Suchek a bit more, do a sort of deep dive on him. Because Suchek so far has been doing all right. He's got 10 shots so far this season. Seven in the box two of them on target. His XG is 1.07, which suggests that he's due at least one goal. A bit unlucky not to get a goal at the weekend. He's always in and around the box. He seems like quite a presence as well from corners and free kicks. He's quite a tall guy, quite an aerial presence. Good goal scoring record, previously at his old club in Czech Republic. How do you feel about West Ham midfielders, notwithstanding the fact they have difficult fixtures?
1: I think Suchek is extremely good value. At 5.0, someone who scores as much as he does, he will not score every week. But even if he scores one every three games or four games or five games, that's still really good value for a 5.0. Five, 5. My only thing, in my opinion, if you were to go with Jack play him every week. Don't you know use him as a bench warmer and put him first on your bench because it's impossible to predict which games he will score in. Right, All of his goals come from you know headers, from set pieces, from corners. And you can never predict it. If you put him on your bench, you might as well just have a 4.5 because you're going to miss out on all his haul. If you have check, you want to go that route, then, you know, stick him on every week. And you could argue that regardless of fixtures, they always have a chance to score from a header or from a corner or, you know, whatever it may be.
0: Let's talk Podence replacement, Sam. Just a very short one on that because let's just say Podence doesn't make it back in time for Fulham. Nuno has not made it clear whether he will be back. Would you just keep Podence on the bench or do you go for a replacement? And if you're going for a replacement, Let's assume you can't go further than 5.6. Who's the best option? Is it Suchek?
1: Yeah, I will go for Suchek. I don't really see anyone else in that price packet who
0: who is appealing. I totally agree. I think Suchek is a better pick than either Jack Harrison, who did have an assist this week, or Matthias Click. I think Suchek is far more integral to the way West Ham play. West Ham's attacking output seems to be mostly limited to Jared Bowen, Mikel Antonio, and Thomas Suchek. And I think West Ham for all intents and purposes, are still a better team than Leeds. I think we've answered the question from FBL Robin Hood on this, about doing a deep dive into Suchek. Okay. So let's move on. Can I just yes, say Sam? that
1: I feel really vindicated having Bowen in my Game Week 1 team?
0: <laughs> Although I didn't have him for this week. At least, you know, I'm good at identifying players. That's true, Sam. And, you know, let's, it, it, even if you don't have Bowen's 15 points in your team, you have them in spirit.
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: I really rate him. So let's talk Timo Werner and Anthony Martial. This was the other big talking point this week with Timo Werner. I captained him, so I share in this pain with a lot of other people, blanking against West Bromwich Albion. Now, I watched the game and I don't think he was awful. He did hit the bar pretty early on. He had a good chance later in the match. But it was just, it was almost like watching Harry Kane on one of his worst days because you could see that Chelsea was struggling to create chances and Timo Werner you know, such a good soul, kept going back into midfield, kept spreading out to the wings, trying to create something, trying to drag something out of this disjointed mess of a team, this Frankenstein of a team that Lampard has created. And Werner looked like he really tried hard. But by the end, he was playing with Harvard, Mount, Giroud, Abraham, Hudson-Odoi. And it just seemed like it was all just going too fast. He wasn't really the guy who was going to get the chances. And sure enough, he came out of it with nothing. A lot of people are dumping Werner. Price has already gone down. In fact, it went down the night of the West Brom game. Went down to nine point four. Do we keep Werner this week and hold against Palace, or do we sell now?
1: Werner, if you have him, you should keep him. Because as I mentioned earlier, Chelsea will change once all the midfielders come back, and they are due to come back, you know, either next game week or the week after that. So once they're back, you can be fairly confident that Werner will start, uh, you know, returning. So there's no reason to bring him up now, only to bring him back in in a few weeks' time. So I'd say just stick with it. Definitely there will be other, you know, you will have other places in the team that you might want to fix. So he's definitely not a priority for me. But definitely don't bring him in right now, that's for sure. So if you have him, keep him.
0: But if you don't, there's no rush to bring him in. What about Anthony Marshall? Also blanked over the weekend. The stats from the United-Brighton game do not make for... Good reading, Sam. Zero shots for Martial. XG of 0.06 and an XA of 0.12. We're paying 9.0 for a United attacker who is supposed to be a premium asset against Brighton. He doesn't have a single shot on target. How can we keep him?
1: Totally agree. I think right now in the way United is playing, you should avoid all United assets. If you already have Bruno or Rashford, then keep them, I guess. But don't bring any of them in, you know? Marshall, maybe you might want to look to move him out. Because um, his stats, not only the, the most recent game, but even the game before that, it just doesn't make for good reading. He's been playing really terribly since the start of the season. So I would take Marshall out. But if you have Bruno or Rashford, I would keep them for another week and, and, and see.
0: Sam, let's talk about potential replacements for Werner and Marshall. I think we've established that in priority of getting rid, if you have both, then get rid of Marshall first. You can hold on to Werner another week because Marshall plays Spurs this week, less likely to return than Werner versus Palace, at least on paper. But let's talk potential replacements because some people just don't want to wait. You know, they've had enough. Let's start at the premium bracket. Assuming you've got money or you're willing to take a hit. Harry Kane had an assist again against Newcastle at the weekend. He's now got five assists for the season, almost the same total he's had for the last two seasons. We'll keep repeating this stat as his assist numbers keep going up. (laughs) They're calling him Harry De Bruyne or...
1: Kane De Bruyne. Kane De
0: Bruyne. Kane De Bruyne, yes. That's it. Harry Kane looked really good in the first half. Sort of went quiet in the second half. One son went off with the injury. Still, Spurs got really good fixtures after the United game. uh, Post-international break, their fixtures look quite decent. He is on pens. He is the talisman of this team. He will always play 90 minutes, it seems. West Ham, Burnley, Brighton and West Brom. That's a really nice set of fixtures, isn't it?
1: Well, if you look at the stats, he had a really good game, last game. Even though he only came out with an assist, he had 8 shots, he had 2 key passes. He had XA of 0.7, which is pretty high, and XG of 1.51, which is really high, which means he was really unlucky to come away without a goal. So he's playing well. The question, I guess, is how will Spurs play without Sun? As you mentioned, one Sun went off, you know their performance really dipped in the game. And it seems like the way Jose has set up Spurs is such that Kane sort of is a target man. He, you know, passes it through the line for Sun to run onto. Uh Can Sun's replacement do the same? I don't know who will replace Sun. Uh, could be Lamela. So it's a bit of a of a wait and see, I think
0: and just for people wondering if Gareth Bale will be the replacement Bale is also no confirmed return date as of now so and there's no reason to suspect that Bale's just going to be thrown in we don't really know how he's going to work with this with this team so i think the united fixture is actually a really good opportunity for us to just watch hospers Recover without Sun. How they play without Sun? Maybe Mo plays Lamela and Mora. We'll have to see. I think he I might.
1: Think good. Sorry, I think he might play Mora. Remembering back from previous seasons, he used to pair Mora up with Kane when Sun was injured. So he Mora might actually be a good differential pick if you wanna you know wanna take a big risk.
0: If Mora was nailed, I mean, I would I would love to have him because he's you know he's got that in him right. His price is quite decent. He's Got a haul in him. I've got good memories of that hat-trick against Ajax. But I think we're a long way from that. I will definitely watch the United game with interest. But for me, Kane, I think we are both agreed this week he's not the guy to bring in. Let's talk Jamie Vardy, who, surprise, surprise, the Golden Boot winner is also now the top scorer in FPL so far. I, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised. None of us had him in our team. He wasn't really a template pick to begin the season. Blanks against Burnley gets 17 points against Man City. How long can we go without James Vardy? Jamie Vardy.
1: Five goals, four penalties, and only one goal from open play. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) I don't know. To me, that just doesn't seem sustainable. Is he going to get two penalties, three penalties every single game they play? And in open play, he's not really contributing much, you know? How many shots do you have that entire game? From what I saw, it wasn't a lot. He's not really involved. I don't know. To me, I'm still... Not so on Vardy, but you know, at the end of the season when
0: he's had eighteen penalties, I might be eating my own words. Sam, just to tell you, Vardy had three goals against City. He had three shots. Yeah, two of them were the pens, and the other one was the shot he scored uh, with that beautiful Castania uh, cross where he flicked it in. Okay, yes, Vardy's stats aren't great for the entire season. He's only got six shots, and he's got five goals, and like you mentioned, four of those are penalties. I think there comes a time when you just have to really just ignore the stats. I think sometimes as FPL managers, we're thinking just way too much of overthinking this. If we watch the games, right, Vardy's not winning these penalties by flukes. He's actually winning them because of his movement. He won both of the penalties against City through his movement. He managed to tempt City defenders who, yes, they are not the best centre-backs in the world, Eric Garcia and Ethan Ake, but Carl Walker's a pretty experienced right-back. And Vardy basically just sells him for that first penalty. Then he gets a second penalty of Garcia. And James Madison wins a penalty at the end. Vardy comes off two minutes before that. If Vardy's on the pitch, he gets four goals. And I don't think anybody's questioning Vardy after that. If he had four goals, you can expect a price increase. The only thing that's probably stopping a price increase is the fact that he's yellow flagged. But Vardy said in post-match that he feels perfectly fine. Of course he'd say that. (laughs) Of course he'd say that. But that's the kind of player you want in your team, right? The kind of player who really you'd have to drag him off the pitch. He's not going to go, he's going to go kicking and screaming. I would really love to have Vardy in my team for West Ham. And if I I could do it without taking a hit, no questions asked, he'd be in my team. Because he is doing everything that Timo Werner is not doing. He's playing with confidence. He is the talisman of this team. There is no one else they're going to play apart from Jamie Vardy. Who are they going to play? Kalechi and Nacho? They have to play Vardy. Vardy's got West Ham, Villa, Arsenal, Leeds and Wolves in the next five. Those are great fixtures. And Vardy with a hat-trick against Man City at the Etihad. Against Pep's Man City, I don't know how long we can keep sleeping on Vadi saying it's just stats. In a season where, yes, he's got five, four penalties, but we know that this season is going to be a season where lots of penalties are going to be given. We've already seen that with VAR. So I feel it's time to just ignore the stats. Sometimes you overthink this. Just go Vardy. I think Vardy is a legitimate captaincy option this week.
1: Okay. <laughs> I guess we will just disagree on that. Because... I'm I i I'm personally, I'm not convinced, but it's just a personal opinion of mine. Uh, I watch but from the eye test. I just don't feel like he's worth his price and over the season, it will come down. But there's really, like you said, there's really no way to predict this. They could continue to win penalties every
0: game. They could suddenly not win a penalty for the next 10 games and while well, he goes on a drought, you know? Let's talk about someone who's cheaper than Sam. Since we can't agree on Vardy, let's see if we agree on these two guys. Raul Jimenez and Danny Ings, who before Sunday were probably the most popular picks to replace Werner. Before Vardy's hat-trick, everyone's looking at Raul Jimenez and Danny Ings. Jimenez has Fulham this week. Danny Ings has West Brom. If you only could bring in one of these guys for this week to replace either Werner or Marshall, who's it going to be? Jimenez, I think,
1: just edges it out because he has still a good uh, run of fixtures coming up. But Ings is not a bad pick either. He's been doing well. The way Southampton sets it up, I think um, they give him the chances and with Ings, all he needs is that chance and, you know, his finishing is so good, he'll probably score. So, but to me, Jimenez just edges it just because of his next four fixtures, which is Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle and Crystal Palace. It was,
0: doesn't get better than that. Does the West Ham performance concern you? Raul Jimenez scoring an own goal. Uh, Wolves were not attacking at all in that game. They seem to be, in some ways, maybe suffering from the fact that players have left. They've lost Matt Doherty they have lost Johnny to injury. Yeah, Should we really be so confident about Wolves this season, their depth in squad, maybe not all there? Will Raul Jimenez actually get those chances?
1: Yeah, I think one game could just be an outlier. So I would wait and see. If they don't do well this upcoming game, then maybe it's time to look at other options. But until then, they have the history
0: and sort of the pedigree, I guess, now that You can be fairly confident that they'll bounce back in this. If I'm being honest, if I have to pick between Danny Ings and Raul Jimenez, just for this weekend, I'm more likely to lean to Jimenez simply because West Brom are bad, but I don't think Southampton have really turned it around as much as people think they have. Southampton did beat Burnley, yes. They beat them 1-0. But Danny Ings only had one shot in the entire game, which was the goal he scored after five minutes. He did have a goal disallowed in the second half, but apart from that, Southampton created almost nothing. Against Burnley, who, a Burnley side who are missing Ben Mee, missing James Tarkowski, missing Goodmundson, Ashley Barnes, Jay Rodriguez, quite a few people. Basically, a bare bones Burnley side was playing, almost like a championship team. And the fact that Southampton only scored one goal suggests to me that they are still sort of working this out, figuring it out. Yes, Wolves lost 4 0 to West Ham, but I think Fulham are on a different level of bad. And I just think that Fulham are more likely to concede. I don't think there's any issues with either options. But if I had to pick just one, I would go Raul Jimenez. Yep, totally agree. Let's go down a bit in budgets. Let's talk DCL, Starman Richarlison. A lot of uh, commentary on Twitter about how Richarlison is now the better pick because he's on pens for sure. He scored a penalty this week. And DCL's price is trending upwards. It's almost going to hit 7.5 soon. Who's the value pick here? I am a big fan of Richarlison. I think he's a way better player as a whole compared to
1: DCL. But it seems the way Everton sets up, just, you know, it goes to... They get the ball to Hamas, Hamas gets the ball to Richie. Richie has a choice of either trying to go for goal or squaring it up for DCL. More often than not, it ends up with DCL. He's currently
0: the highest scoring... Yes, Is he the highest scoring player in the game? The highest scorer is... The man with all the penalties, Jamie Vardy. But DCL is one point behind. 31 points to Vardy's 32.
1: And he has the XG to back it up. He is—he has the highest non-pen XG of everyone since the season started. So, of course, you know, some teams only played two games, blah, blah, blah. But he looks good for DCL. So, to me, he's still the better pick in terms of value. Because he's still cheaper than Richardson. And even though it's 7.4, might up to 7.5, that 0.5 can still go a long way. but. You know, if you set up your team and you're Mr. Moneybags, you have a lot of leftover money, then, yeah, Richarlison is a great pick. I started the season with Richarlison. I am
0: still confident that over the course of the season, Richarlison will return more points than DCL. I'm going to disagree with you, Sam, on some points. I agree with you that DCL is the value pick, but I still think DCL is actually the better pick, even if you forget value. Because looking at the stats from the weekend, DCL had four shots, Richarlison had one. DCL's XG non pen XG, 0.9. Richarlison had 0.0. And I think that's illustrative illustrative of the way DCL plays. He just camps in the six-yard box. He just waits for drop-downs. He waits for these, shall we say, cheap, sweaty goals. Yeah. And then he just scores them with any part of his body. Richarlison, I think, is a better player in real life. But he's a better player because he spreads out to the wings. He goes back. He tries to retrieve the ball, create chances. He's always looking to do something more significant. DCL is just there. He's a pure poacher, nothing else. He is... Angelotti's new people in Zagi, yeah. and and I like I like Albert Lewin for that price. I think he is. If uh, we've always had these debates over the years, do you get do you get Salah money? A, Salah money? Do you get Pogba, or Mkhitaryan? I remember it was once an issue, and I feel that always was neither. Right? <laughs> <laughs> after a while, it was neither. Now definitely it's neither. But I, for me, you always get the goal scorer, not the assistant. I think more often than not, yes, penalties are great, and Richarlison's got pens, which is good for him. But I still think Decel is going to be the guy scoring all the goals. Let's talk budget options. Patrick Bamford, somebody we all dismissed in pre-season. He's got a horrible Premier League record. He's never going to make it. People questioning him, his ability as a Premier League striker. He is the third highest scoring forward. They have all these big names like Harry Kane, ahead of Richarlison, ahead of Ings, Lacazette. Patrick Bamford, is he not the best budget striker right now?
1: There's still, I think what Dielsa says, he's slowly easing Rodrigo in. So eventually. He will be, uh he will start fighting for his place with Rodrigo. Uh, right now, he's nailed. But uh, I mean, again, I don't know. I look at stats. Maybe I'm a stat boy, but he just doesn't convince me at all. His XG is really low compared to you know his actual goals. And I think eventually it will even out, unless you know Bamford Sully turns out to be the most clinical finisher in the entire you know history of the world. <laughs> but then you could argue that the same was said of Mason Greenwood last year, uh, in which he was scoring with almost every shot he took. So, in my opinion, if you're at you need a striker at that price range, there isn't anyone better than Bamford. But if you can afford it, you know to to get a, a
0: striker that costs more, then I would advise that. Still, is Bamford better than Morpe or Mitrovic or Chris Wood, for that matter?
1: Better than Mitrovic against Morpe and Chris Wood. I would think that both of them will outscore him by the end of the season.
0: I'll just give my thoughts on this. And I think my thinking is quite similar to Jamie Vardy. I think sometimes we can make FPL a bit more difficult than it is. Yes, Bamford's not getting a lot of shots, but he's getting in the right positions. I think Bielsa has shown his faith in him over the weekend. Rodrigo came on at halftime as a sub and came off before full-time when they needed to defend the lead, but they kept Bamford on. And I think that just shows Bielsa is going to give Bamford all the opportunities he wants. Yes, there may come a time when Rodrigo, who is the £30 million transfer record signing for Leeds, there may come a time when Rodrigo starts over Bamford, which would be the logical progression of events. Rodrigo's is a Spanish international. Patrick Bamford's a Chelsea reject. You know, we know this. But right now, Bamford looks confident he's scoring. He also seems to like what he does for the team. Sometimes at, at this price point, I mean, what is the risk? You have nothing to lose at 5.7, 5.8, 5.9, even 6.0. You have nothing to lose. Leeds are a better team than... So I would prefer Bamford over Mitrovic if I had to go between one. We've covered all the Werner Marshall uh, replacements or possible replacements. Sam, I'm just going to ask you, name your three best forward line. If you had to create a forward line now, if you're wildcarding in this week, you're not. But let's just say you were. Who is the forward line?
1: Definitely Jimenez, Inks. Are we talking about, you know, including budget and things like that? Or just... Forget budget. Oh, and Kane then, I guess. He's... Quite convincing in the past few games. So, I mean, if you can afford it, you know, we're not talking about budget, um, then Kane. If we are, then you have to look at one of the budget midfielders. So maybe um, Wood, Mopé, or Bamford.
0: I'm going to say Vardy, DCL, and Bamford. I think ultimately, you got to just look at points and returns.
1: Oh, I forgot and about I... DCL. <laughs> yeah. He would be my third striker. Sorry. I totally forgot about the Everton boy.
0: Oh, that's all right, Sam. They're forgettable. <laughs> Let's uh, wrap up our last big topic. Liverpool double defence back in fashion because uh, Trent had a great game. Robinson had a great game. Trent setting up Robertson for a goal, which is a dream if you had both of them. They, they played really well. A lot of people went off the Liverpool double defence on the wild card to try and push money up front. Was that a mistake? Is it time to go back? Or are the budget defenders doing the job?
1: The thing about Liverpool double defence is you've got to see how you're setting up your team. It's not so simple as to just, uh, will we double up or not? In essence, they if you double up on them, you should be playing a 4-3-3, in my opinion. Because if you double them with a three-four-three. 4 you won't be able to get a proper midfield for your four. Um The reasoning is that you're essentially replacing one midfielder, one of your budget midfielders, for a defender, right? So you play 4 3 instead of 3-4-3. Um, they still, surprisingly, are not that convincing clean sheet-wise because they seem to be making stupid mistakes every game. Robertson made a mistake, an error re- leading up to goal um, this previous game. He made up for it with his goal, but... So clean sheet wise they're not doing so well. I would still recommend to just stick with one first for now until they show that that defensive uh, solidity. And if I had to pick one, I would go Robo, which is what I did actually. I feel based on um, the games, he still looks better pick purely because he's cheaper than Tran. Tran will probably outscore Robo by the end of the season, but I don't think Robo will be that far behind.
0: So for that 0.5, the way Robo has been playing, I think it's worth saving out on that 0.5. Totally agree. If you look at this game and the season as a whole, Robos had more crosses, more corners. He looks uh, every bit the value pick at this point. I don't think you can go wrong with either, and I wouldn't waste time switching between the two. That's a sideways transfer. But if you are on a wild card, Robos one to go for me. And I agree with you, Sam. I think the budget defenders are good. I think mixing them with the budget defenders also spreads your risk because Liverpool conceded yesterday, and it, on another day, Lacazette finishes off his chances, and they concede too. So then you're looking at lost points for your local defenders. Let's talk the budget defenders, Sam, before we start on captains.
1: 4.5 defenders, I still have faith in Burnley. So Charlie Taylor, to me, is still there. Beyond that, I don't really see much value in the 4.5 bracket. KWP seems to be good value. Oh, there's of course Lamptey, who is great. So Lamptey would be the first choice, 4.5 defender, followed by Charlie Taylor, followed by KWP.
0: Agreed. And if I had to only pick one, it's definitely Lamptey all day, so damn attacking. Yeah. If you move up to the 5.0s, I actually don't think either of them are great at the moment because of defensive issues. Roman size Wolves do seem to be leaking a lot of shots. We posted some stats on our Twitter today, which shows that Wolves have conceded the most, the fourth highest shots in the box this week, whereas last season they had the least shots in the box for any team post-restart. So, I think you have some risks with Walters defense. And Reese James, I think if you really need to go for someone at that bracket, Reese James, still a rotation risk for me. There's always going to be that rotation risk because Lampard is still trying to figure out what to do with all these players. But so attacking, more crosses than anyone this, this, Game week, he was just bombing on forward. He basically looked like a winger. Yeah, Rhys James, I I still think viable pick. Yeah,
1: I think so. But like you said, there is that risk of rotation. Now, if you are risk adverse and you always want your players to, to have a 100% chance of starting, then maybe not Rhys James. But if you don't mind that little bit of, you know, risk of rotation, sort of risk versus reward kind of thing, then Rhys James does look good. I think that past game, once uh, Aspie, Aspie came on, he really transformed uh, Chelsea. So there is a case for Lampard to start Aspie. Now, he might start Aspie on the left wing because the previous game, he came on to replace Marcus Alonso. That said, Thionwell is coming back soon. So we don't know. I think Aspie is just such a, a strong presence in the defence. Uh, Lampard has been a bit foolish, in my opinion, not starting with
0: Aspie. And just for some non-FPL context to this, there are reports from The Athletic that Marcus Alonso got into a fight with Lampard after his substitution for refusing to sit down and watch the rest of the game with the bench. So if Marcus Alonso isn't playing left-back anymore, then you'd have to think Reese James is going to play on the right with Aspie on the left. Sam, just for laughs and giggles, tell us the best 4.5 midfielder.
1: Steven Alzate, hands down. And I wish, Who I, knew is this, that? I, wish I knew this before my wildcard, because I would have brought him in. He's a 4.5 midfielder for Brighton. And he hasn't returned anything, okay? He's uh, returned two points, three points, and two points. But he has an XG uh, 0.16, not that high. He has an XA of 0.79. Now that is high for a 4.5 midfielder. He's played every game. Um, uh, He seems like a really good pick. He actually had a really good game against United. So if you're looking for a 4.5 midfielder, Steven Alzate from Brighton looks like a gem.
0: Sam, let's talk captaincy to finish off. Best captain
1: this week. Go. Oh, okay. Um, in my opinion, you still can't look beyond uh, the Leopold midfielder, Salah or Mane, or the Brian Sterling, if you have them. Leeds do look like a good opponent to play against. Despite how they performed the previous game, you have to think that City are going to come back strong. Everyone else don't seem appealing to me. You know, I see a lot of people advocating captaining Jimenez, which I never got because Jimenez just doesn't haul. He's the kind of player who gets you, you know, six, seven, eight points consistently, which is great to have. But what you want from a captain is someone explosive. So I never really got why people, you know, are advocating to Captain Jimenez. I have my armband on Salah this
0: week. Interesting. I, I'll expand on why I think Jimenez is a captaincy shout this week, right? A lot of people, I mean, Fulham are just bad. They're, they're, they're just god-awful. Watching them against Villa, it was like clowns running across a minefield. This defense doesn't know what they're doing. They basically let Tyrone Mings have the freedom of Craven Cottage to walk in that third goal. They have the second-highest number of goals conceded at 10. They've played much weaker opposition than West Brom. West Brom have been playing, you know, decent teams, Leicester, Chelsea. Fulham have played, yes, okay, they played Arsenal in game week one. But after that, you know, they've been playing Villa and Leeds. And they really should be competing in these matches if they want to stay up. They're not competing. I am quite tempted to go for Raul Jimenez because I think... Wolves may need to show a bit of a reaction from the West Ham defeat. And I think Nuno will want to sort of put that behind them with a convincing result. And I don't think that Sala v Villa is as easy as it seems on paper. Villa have been quite decent defensively. They have been quite solid. Post-restart, they were one of the best defences. And they've got Emiliano Martinez, finally a reliable <laughs> keeper. That's just... Oh, uh... almost. That's just your Arsenal bias kicking in. Maybe it's my Asa bias. And to be fair, he did spill a shot in the Fulham game, which led to a disallowed goal, which was disallowed for Mitrovic push. So, you know, there's still room to make errors. But I think Salavilla Villa is not as nailed a captaincy shot as people think it is. I don't think City are uh, nailed captaincy option this week because they still lack a focal point. We didn't talk much about City, Sam, but let's just cover it now. City really were poor against Leicester. They really looked like they missed Jesus and Aguero. And while they are playing without a recognised centre-forward, I have no confidence in captaining any of their assets. I'm only holding on to them because I don't want to waste transfers.
1: I do think City just has that pedigree to, to come through. I doubt they were going to play as bad as they did against Leicester. So I do think um, if anyone's thinking of transferring your City assets out, you might regret that decision. They they may not have their, their usual group of players, but you know it's still De Bruyne, it's still Mares, who is a great player. It's still uh, Sterling. Foden, who is good. So they still have, always have that chance to come big. So I wouldn't bet against them.
0: And coming back to captaincy, Sam, we're segueing a bit, but let's come back to captaincy. You are not convinced by Raul Jimenez against Fulham because he doesn't haul, which is a fair argument. Raul Jimenez is the man of one return. Yeah. So let's talk. can I
1: just expand on that? Sure. For example, if you're Captain Salah in the first week, salah scored 20 points in the first week. So a captain that's extra 20 if you fill your your captaincy for the next few weeks, let's say only got a two-pointer and a two-pointer, that's 24 extra points. And if you captain someone who scores, say, six points for three weeks, that's just 18 points extra. So in that sense, if you go for someone explosive, it covers you. You have the potential to score more for the next few weeks rather than someone who doesn't ever get a double-digit haul, which Jimenez never does. I think the entire season last year, she only had maybe one or two. Double-digit hauls. Uh, no stats in front of me. I'm just saying it from memory. But as far as I remember, he doesn't really haul, which is what you want from a captaincy. That's just my argument on it.
0: And what about Ings and Vardy to finish off? Ings and Vardy. Vardy places West Ham and Ings is facing West Brom.
1: Yeah, both are good shouts, I think. But again, for me, part of having the, a premium player like Salah or De Bruyne is the fact that you want to captain them. I would still lean towards Salah over them, in my opinion.
0: Well, we will have a captaincy thread, our usual Twitter captaincy thread, on the Twitter page, probably on Friday evening. So it's safe to say that neither of us have decided. I think, Sam, you're leaning towards possibly Salah or maybe KDB. I'm still considering, obviously Salah's always in my mind. That's why I have him. But I am considering Raul Jimenez. It's something I will probably sleep on, look at the stats. Definitely by the time of our Twitter thread on Friday, you'll know our picks. I think we've covered everything, Sam. And I think for those of you who had a bad wildcard, just stay strong you know it, it's only 3 game weeks this is a long game let's talk again in 35 game weeks and see how it is
1: alright cheers see you guys in the next episode bye
0: oh this is big.